Hello, welcome to Dad Asks Mums with me, Al Booth. I am a dad of Alfie, who's five, and Sienna, who's three, and also the partner of Kerry, whose age I'm not going to tell you. Because you know what? As a dad, I think there's so much that we don't understand about parenting from a mum's point of view. But I do understand that you don't go on a podcast that can be heard by anyone and reveal your partner's age. I know that much. I know that much. Um, But as you'll hear with today's guest, Cleo Wood, there is still so much that I don't know. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about finding out things from a mum's perspective that would hopefully make me a better partner. And, you know, it's just opening up conversations, isn't it? That maybe you just don't have time to have anyway because you've got kids and they don't really allow for that. Not that much. (laughs) Now, before we get into today's guest, Cleo Ward, uh, just to let you know, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can drop me an email, al at albooth.co.uk, or you can go on to Twitter and Instagram. They're the socials I use. I've got the, you know, when you sign up for socials and you can't even remember the password and can't even remember Tumblr, is that still a thing? I don't know. Anyway, um, so Instagram and Twitter at Dad Asks Mums. Also, there's a section of the show where I say, as a mum, what would you like to ask me as a dad? And also as a mum, what do you wish that I as a dad had asked you? Now, if you've got answers to those questions, you can go on speakpipe.com forward slash Dad Asks Mums and leave a voice note and then that would get featured in the next episode. Now for the next Before I introduce the guest properly, should we have a listen? about what you're going to hear in this episode. Dad, ask mums. Dad, ask mums. A lot of us are having children later now and then you're still in the postnatal phase when perimenopause comes along. (laughs) It just feels like this really taboo, dirty thing, whereas actually it's very natural and something of real joy. If you're not communicating, how are you expecting this long-term relationship to be in any positive, healthy place? I want dads to ask mums in general what their other half's love language is. So on this episode, I'm talking to the owner of Wellbeing Retreats for the Family, author of Get Your Mojo Back, and mum of two, of course, most importantly, it's Cleo Wood. Welcome to Dad Asks Mums. Hi, Al. It's so good to meet you. Really good to meet you. I'm really pleased you could do this because it's just multifaceted. The retreats, the well-being, the calmness, that is definitely something that we're contemplating in our family, just how to keep kids calm. But also, we've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old who don't sleep through the night. So, you know, get your mojo back is is everything. So, (laughs) yeah, this is free therapy, essentially. Oh, well, I hope so. (laughs) I hope to be helpful anyway. No, thank you very much for having me. no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, part of the reason that I started my retreat company and breathe in the first place was because I really needed to breathe to take some time for myself. And there wasn't really the space to do it. It's quite difficult to actually find space for you physically and mentally to feel well and to feel strong when you're at home all the time, surrounded by toys, you know, being, uh, you know, jumped on by a child, like you've got a baby that's always crying, the laundry pile is getting higher and higher without even (laughs) doing anything to it. And um, 
it can be really difficult to reset habits and, and feel like you again as a parent in your new identity. Yeah. You know, not everyone has the opportunity to do that, but I definitely felt like that was something that I wanted and needed in order to really cope with this traumatic birth that I'd been through my postnatal depression. You know, we were really struggling in our relationship as well. And that's kind of where it came from because I was like, there's nothing out there for this, which is why I created and breathe. Um, because it's really bloody hard to be a parent. So <laughs> as I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and you kind of, it's, you hear that a lot, don't you? Oh, it's not easy. It's hard work, but it's actually hard work. Yeah, totally. Then the retreat thing, the only place you can escape really is the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> but once they start toddling, they know you're in there. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, what? Toddling. And also it's just, it's just a shout when they know your mummy, obviously it, it kind of goes from like mama, mama to like mama to mummy. And when, when it hits mummy, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. It's, it's not mummy. It's mame. It always goes up at the end. Yeah. Mame, daddy. <laughs> just, I'm sitting next to you. Just ask me. Yeah. Much as I know that this is because you love me, uh, <laughs> I, I do need a little bit of space sometimes. Um, but yeah, and, that, and that's really hard because everything that you get in the postnatal period, as I'm sure you guys have experienced as well, is really focused on the kids, is focused on the baby, which obviously very, very important. You know, we need to keep them alive and well. But what about you being alive and well as well? And there's guilt attached to that, isn't there? Because like you say, you know, it's it's all about the child, everything. Even now, mine are two and five, and it should still be all about the child. And you feel guilty if you think... Like you say, I just need a bit of me time. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that, actually, because I know that we talk about mum guilt a lot, and that's definitely something that I feel. But I'm so interested in the kind of dad's perspective, because my partner, I know he feels it, but it feels like it's softer than my guilt. Like, I really feel like if I'm not doing a good job, this is like my whole identity and I'm failing in society. Whereas, you know, he does feel the guilt, I'm sure. And I know because we've talked about it, but it doesn't feel like it's as crushing for him. Hmm. That's kind of what this podcast is about. It's it's that thing of going, oh, my partner's fine. You know, she's okay. She's, we both feel this together. But yeah, it's getting that opposite sort of angle on it. It's time for a question. Right. The question I always like to ask, first of all, is what was the last conversation you had with your children? So I have an eight-year-old and a one-year-old. The eight-year-old, obviously very good at talking, extremely cerebral conversations sometimes, like quite surprising what she comes out with, you know, philosophical points of view and, and things. Um, the one-year-old is definitely at the shouty, just got a few words stage. But we had a whole big conversation about whether she was going to get in her buggy this morning. And that was the last thing <laughs> that we did because she was like, no, I want to go on the bike. She was determined. It, it was about five minutes of pure just bike, bike, bike. They're strong, aren't they, as well? Oh, my God. So strong. Superhuman strength at that age. Yeah, it's the planking when you're trying to get them into their car seat <laughs> yes. or the bucky that I really struggle with. Like, this core is amazing. Like, yes. you, you want to be giving some lessons in the strength of this core. That is so true. And what about your, your eight-year-old? What was the, the last chat you had with them? Well, so she's actually, so school strike today, exciting stuff. So she's gone into the office with my husband. 
And so it was about whether she had enough snacks to see her through the day, which is very important, obviously. So, uh, yeah, she's cleared the cupboard out of our naked bars and, uh, you know, has a number of workbooks and sticker books that she's taken with her, plus iPads, obviously, and uh, fully charged headphones. So we shall see at the end of the day how successful that trip was. Dad, ask mums. So let's talk about your retreat, which is just because it's for families as well, isn't it? Yeah, totally. So basically, I wanted to have a fitness retreat that was appropriate for the postnatal period and and mums who'd had babies, because a lot of fitness retreats are geared very much around weight loss, doing loads of burpees up at six. And it isn't really geared to rehabilitation or functional fitness or actually taking care of the body postnatally because it's been through a lot and dads have also been through a lot physically as well they're also sleep deprived um you know you may have not been able to do as much exercise as previously and in, in the new parent phase um yeah, yeah. that's the excuse so <laughs> <laughs> um so what i really wanted was to be able to go away on a fitness and a well-being retreat that I knew that I was going to get properly taken care of and I was going to get the right advice. I also wanted to be able to take my baby because I was still breastfeeding. I wasn't ready to leave her for a week or a weekend. And I also wanted my husband to come because I was like, well, you know, this is kind of a holiday. I don't want to go away without you. Why don't we try this as an idea um and we did a friends and family one first and that went pretty well and then we did our first civilian one and it kind of grew from there really so we did one in the first year three in the second year six in the third year this is before lockdown obviously because everything changed then and we'll get to that in a minute um so yeah so that was my journey doing that and so I started to write and to speak and to kind of champion women's health, particularly in the postnatal and parenthood phase, and then latterly in the perimenopause as well, because a lot of us are having children later now. And then, you know, you're in, you're still in the postnatal phase when oh, perimenopause comes along. <laughs> right. Yeah. The two sort of cross over, I guess. They do. Yeah. And it's a lot about you know so a lot of the symptoms can be very similar so you're sleep deprived you're not sleeping very well you've got massive brain fog your hormones are all over the place so some of your pelvic floor issues might be similar um, in the perimenopause phase as your muscle tone starts to deteriorate as well so it felt like an obvious transition for us and and that has been a really good thing as well because I think conversation around the postnatal period when I started was wasn't really happening um, in terms of self-care and that fourth trimester and, you know, postnatal fitness and maternal mental health. And it has really increased, I think, over the past eight years. And now in the past year or two, we've started to hear the conversation around the menopause and the perimenopause as well. So I think it feels like a, a good journey for me and the things that I care about and my passion points as well. So. Do you know what's really interesting? I think this is probably more to do with the work I do, like, you know, journalist or podcaster, that I hear about perimenopause and the fourth trimester. Mm. But there's something that typically you don't, you don't, certainly with the trimesters, you know, there's the, the first bit, which is the morning sickness and all that. And then the middle bit, which I always reference this. The only bit I knew about that was watching Friends where Rachel got really horny in the middle bit. And I was like, I cannot wait for that. Doesn't happen. <laughs> It's almost as if Friends isn't a documentary. Um, 
And then obviously the third bit, but then you can, yeah. And then it's like, we've got the baby, dump, that's it. You know, you've got pregnancy's gone. Now it's the, it's the next bit. So you do forget about that. And perimenopause bit is, is new. Yeah, I, th- I think even the terminology is still little understood. You know, the menopause is one day. It's the day that is 12 months after your last period. And everything leading up to that, so everything that we refer to as the menopause or menopause symptoms is actually the perimenopause. Like it's kind of in and around that day. You know, it might be 10 years long for some people. It really depends how your body's journey takes place, um, how your hormones start to change, you know, what speed your body is going to kind of take that journey to, to having its last period and not having another one again. And that's where all the symptoms come from is, is all about that hormonal change and that kind of roller coaster really in, in terms of it winding down and going into its next phase. So the menopause is... <laughs> No, because I'm, I'm really, this is, again, this is why I'm doing the podcast. Like with your retreat, that was always how I saw my parenting. And now it's like, children, why aren't you fitting into my preconceived idea of the parent I was going to be? <laughs> and whereas, yeah, Kerry's very more pragmatic, which is why we work. I'm the dreamer, she's the pragmatist, and somewhere in between we meet and have a, a wild, it's a brilliant time. But I didn't realise the menopause, so it's one day. Yeah. So you have your period, and then you wait for the next one on that day. And it doesn't come. And then you go, I mean, even now I'm, mums are just going, you're an, you're an idiot. Mums out there being like, mm, no, no. <laughs> Your period comes once a month, usually. Yeah. I'm on that. I know that much. Yeah. So say, so say I had my last period this January or say I had a period this January. It didn't come in February. It didn't come in March. It didn't come for the rest of the year. And then it got to next January and I still hadn't had a period. That day, 12 months from my last period would be my menopause. It's as in the pause in your menses. Right. Um, yes. Because in the lead up to that day, you might, you know, your periods do get very much out of sync. Well, again, depends who you are and how your body reacts, but you might have a period, you might have another one two weeks later, you might not then have another one for six months, but then they might go back to normal for a little bit. And then it might happen again. So, you know, over the course of that time, in general, what happens is they start to become less and less regular. So, you know, maybe you're going to have three periods in a year for a couple of years. So you haven't actually had your menopause, but you're still in the perimenopause phase because you know it's not your kind of regular month. Um, so, yeah, and all of this is driven by your hormones. So that's what sends the signals around your body, essentially, to be like, right, release the egg now, you know, um, you know, have your period if it hasn't been fertilized, all of those different things. Wow. Yeah, your face. <laughs> I know, because I'm just absorbing it all. There's so many questions, but um, there's so many questions. Should know this. Men should know this. We should be taught this at school. You know, at school, I don't know what it's like now, but you'd get separated into two different, you know, right, boys are going to be told not how to get someone pregnant and girls, you've got a whole thing to deal with. We should all be in the same. Yeah, it's no, I completely agree. Um, and sex education is leaves a lot to be decided, I think, even, even now. This is another topic for another time, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so you've got 12 months of kind of knowing that you're menopausal without the confirmation, essentially. Yeah, so you could kind of be on tenterhooks, as as it were. But I mean, you know, you kind of, you do get a lot 
of time to get to know yourself, I suppose, because, you know, for some people, the perimenopause is five years, some people it might be 10 years. So we're all different. And it really depends on what your body is going to decide to do um, and how you choose to embrace and deal with that as well because obviously your fitness your mental health your nutrition all have a really big part to play in how your body reacts to it as well and and how you kind of come through it and whether you decide to take hrt or not mm. so yeah there's, 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 there's lots so it's a big topic <laughs> i feel like so it was parents evening the day recording last night was parents evening for alfie my five-year-old uh with maths and english and i feel essentially this is as he is with maths and english i'm at his learning level with menopause (laughs) do you know i think it's really incredible so my husband and i are very open about mental health physical health obviously i've written a book about sexual well-being so we've had lots of discussions about that and a lot of it is based on kind of my journey and one of his good friends has had similar issues within their relationship between him and his wife but her approach is very much I will deal with this. I will tell you when it's fixed. They don't talk about anything at all. And I think it is really important for us to understand each other and where we're coming from, because otherwise, how can you support each other properly? And it goes both ways, right? So this is my bandwagon. I'm like, if you're not communicating, how are you expecting this long-term relationship to be in any positive, healthy place? Now for the next bit. This is Daddy's Disc of Dilemma. So I've got a gold cake base on my Shedio wall with wooden numbers attached that seem to have uh, come from kids' games that I may have nicked. Uh, Each number correlates to a different dilemma we're having. Funnily enough, one that matches the guest. Take it away, kids. Daddy's Disc of Dilemma. Go, giving it a spin. And because of uh, me not being very good at DIY, the nail isn't in the middle. So it'll always come up between three and four. At least it stayed on the wall. I thought you were going to say it often falls off the wall. Number four, again. Right, so my my dilemma, which ties in lovely with your book, Get Your Mojo Back, is we have a a five-year-old called Alfie who invariably creeps into our bed at some point every single night. Between one and three, usually it happens, which is fine because we're asleep. That's not too bad uh, and we've got a two-year-old who just screams out doesn't necessarily wake up just screams which is not conducive to you know yeah how do you get your mojo back oh, that's a big question isn't it um it is but it's one i really really would like to know the answer to and no all joking aside that this is exactly why i wrote the book are they predictable sounds like the five-year-old kind of comes in at about the same time Yes. Well, I say that. So quite often what will happen, if I take him to bed, then I'll lie with him till he's got to sleep. He won't go to sleep on his own. So I'll take him to bed, lie with him for a bit, and then I get up and come down. Kerry will take him to bed about half seven, eight o'clock and fall asleep. And then I'll go in and go, Kerry, do you want to get up? And she's like, and so that's it. So because if Kerry's in bed with him, he doesn't need to get up. But if we're in bed together, he'll come in. Yeah. Between half one and three or whatever. Okay, fine. So, you know, if you guys are on the same page about the importance of sleep, so if it's more important that he sleeps through mm. and that you both get a decent night's sleep, that I think is, is first of all, like don't don't discount that as like a positive. I think it's really important that you guys communicate as well on, or, you know, one communicates as well 
around where you both are in terms of, look, I miss having that time together. Because then you at least are on the same page about, okay, fine, then maybe we need to look into the sleeping situation, like whether your little one is able to go through the night on his own, whether obviously now because he's a little bit older, you can then start to kind of talk about his habits and be like, look, can we get you a teddy bear or a toy? Or if you wake up, can you do a little bit of reading? Or, you know, all of these like more, a little bit more practical steps. I know that that's not going to be an overnight solution, but I think just something to bear in mind as well. <laughs> I just, I, I had visions then of you going, you need to have the conversation, which is, look, mummy and daddy want to have sex. So you can't come into our bed. <laughs> I was like, I'm not entirely sure we're ready for that, that level of honesty yeah, or explanation. But. Yeah. Okay. When I say you could do that, what I mean is, so we've always been really open with our daughter. You know, we were talking about it at two, not like daddy's penis goes in mommy's vagina, but like, this is what happens when people want to make a baby. And also it's really pleasurable. And just talking about it in terms that they can understand, it doesn't have to be graphic, but it can be open and honest because it's a part of life. It's how we all got here. It's something that they will enjoy and take part in later in their lives as well. So yeah, yeah. And and otherwise it just feels like this really kind of taboo, dirty yes. thing. Whereas actually it's very natural and, you know, it can be something of real joy and is how we make bigger families and you know it's it's how we reproduce so there's lots of really nice things about it that I think we don't naturally associate it with we just kind of panic and go oh god well uh, you know I'll leave it to the school and like you know they'll work it out by themselves and I think so many of us were brought up with that I think we're really scared to kind of break that cycle as well because we don't know how to do it we've never been shown how to have that conversation properly so do you know with the weird thing as well sorry to jump in but just you saying that the weird thing is they have no idea why that would be awkward and so you're also instilling that aren't you yeah and at the moment yeah they're completely carte blanche with it so and also, look, so what I'm saying is more that, look, mummy and daddy need to have a bit of time together as well. We love you very much, but we also love each other. And, you know, to keep loving each other and not being really, really annoyed by the other person, <laughs> we need to actually spend time with, with, <laughs> with each other. And at five, I think that's actually, they can start to understand that concept of you guys as a unit, separate to you guys as a family unit. Hmm. You know, just even having that like gentle conversation on the side can be really powerful like to I'm not saying it's going to help change things overnight if you start having that conversation now over the next few years he's going to be like okay yeah fine like I get this mommy and daddy do need some line time together I mean I don't know about you but actually our eight-year-old really hates it when we go out together on a date night which she knows she shouldn't but I think you know, even having that conversation with her. So that's something that we reinforce all the time is like, look, I know you don't like it when we go out together, but actually we need to spend time without you. We love you very much. We also really want to provide a loving and safe and positive environment as a family and as a positive home to be in. We can't do that if we're not in a good place together Yeah. on a practical level. <laughs> Have you thought about date days? Hmm. You know, so we we obviously kind of think, oh, you know, bedtime, nighttime, that's when we're going to have sex. But if you, you know, making time for intimacy and a date 
during the day can also be really powerful and on a practical level really works because, okay, you've got one kid in school, you've got the other kid shipped off to somewhere, you've got an empty house. Um, so you don't necessarily have to go out to a restaurant like you would in the evening. Um, and even just having lunch together, you know, if your wife is working from home or, you know, on one of her days when she's not working, you know, you make some time and you do that during the day. And also it means you're not as tired as you would be in the evening. Yes, that's a brilliant idea. It feels a little bit illicit to be doing it during the day as well. No, I know what you mean. And that can actually be a really nice thing to share together as well. Like it's a bit of a, oh, we had a like secret time together um, and that was really nice. I would sow the seeds of this first because... We don't want a third. <laughs> no, 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 not those seeds. Ah. Um, the thing I think that people don't really understand men or women is that actually our sex drives function quite differently so women often need to be able to feel desire mentally before their bodies get aroused often with men they can do it the other way around so they're aroused before they're actually like in the situation if you see what I mean and so quite often my husband will be like going to bed and, you know, start to initiate sex. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. I haven't seen you for days. Like, you you know, you haven't kissed me. We've barely said hello. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> um, but just hasn't really recognized or hasn't really realized that that is an issue because, you know, he's been thinking about it or has kind of, you know, his body's just kind of gone, oh, okay, right, I'm quite turned on now. Whereas actually I need a lot more headspace in order to like switch off from all of like the to-do list, the mental load. And I need a while to get into that headspace in order to be ready. So no matter where you are, I think that's a really interesting point to get right between the two of you. Um, but also for like the lunchtime thing, like setting it up in advance in order to really like build that anticipation and for the both of you to know where it is and where you're coming from is really key as well so that you kind of think of it in a really positive way as opposed to like oh right he's made me cheese on toast for lunch I wonder why he's done that works every time yeah exactly right <laughs> you know that might be a nice option for you <laughs> yes I very much like that idea lunchtime loving what the actual heck what is the one question that you as a mum would like to be asked by me or was hoping that I would ask as a dad uh, I want dads to ask mums in general what their other half's love language is. You may need to explain this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, hang on. No, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought I'd done so well and I still know nothing. Right. So we all communicate our love for another person in slightly different ways. So those are things like words so actually you know telling someone that you love them things like acts of service so doing the washing up for someone bringing them you know a cup of tea in bed in the morning those sorts of things there is gifts gift giving you know bringing some flowers home after work uh you know oh you're in a coffee shop and you saw this donut they might like you know you bring that home for them so there are five of those. I'm, obviously, I now can't remember the last two because I'm a mum and my brain is fried. Um, but having that conversation with your other half can be an absolute game changer in terms of whether or not you're resonating with the other person or not. Because they might be like, 
well, I never want to have sex with you because you never show me that you love me. I'm taken for granted around here. All I'm doing is looking after the children and trying to, you know, get new clients all the time. Like I am absolutely slammed and you just don't appreciate any of that. And you'll be like, I tell you I love you all the time. And she'll be like, yes, but you never bring me flowers. You never like think of me when you're out. And I always think of you when I'm in a shop and I see something you might like and I buy it for you. And you're like, well, I don't want that thing. Why are you? Why, why do you keep bringing things home to me? Like, why are you spending more money? We you know we're on a budget now. <laughs> like, <laughs> so then your love language is obviously just telling. It's words. It's actually like communicating that. Her love language is gifts or like little acts of service of like you know where she needs to be it to be demonstrated whereas you might need it to just be said all the time and affirmed in a conversation so you both think you're expressing love and you're ex- trying to express connection and, and appreciation for the other person but the other person isn't hearing it so without being like too woo woo about it I think that can actually be a really positive thing. If you can get that right, if you can understand where the other person is coming from and try to be a little bit more on their level and also for the other person to be like, well, actually, this is why I don't do it as much. It doesn't come naturally to me because that's how I receive love messages. It can be a really powerful thing for you to like understand and connect better with the other person. From that comes better emotional understanding, communications flow better, you might feel more loving and touching and caring, you know, like kind of, you know, physical touch towards the other person. And from that, your sensual identity flourishes and your sexual life flourishes as well. So more intimacy, more pleasure. I always think of sex as this like ripple effect. Like you have good sex, you're in a good mood the next morning and then you're happier and then you're nicer to each other and you're nicer to the kids and you don't shout at them when they smash the jar of jam on the floor, whatever it is, you know. And so it has this really nice ripple effect of like, okay, one good thing has happened and then then you might have sex more. So I don't know. It just is, it feels like this virtuous circle that if you can actually get it right and if you can kind of connect with each other a little bit more and a little bit more deeply, it's a really positive thing all around as well. So you're not just having sex for you, you're doing it for the whole world. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't that a song in Greece too, I think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's just put a lot of pressure on, to be honest. But um... no, partly what I mean is, you know, we all kind of have this guilt, just referring back to right at the beginning of our conversation, we have this guilt about like taking care of ourselves and taking time for ourselves, particularly as parents, you know, whether it's for us or whether it's for for our relationship. But actually, my point is more that don't need to feel guilty about that, because what's good for you is actually good for the rest of the family and everyone who's around you as well. Yeah, bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah. And the podcast is called Dad Asks Mums, but as a mum, what would you like to ask me, a dad? Um, oh gosh, oh, such, such a difficult question, that one, because <laughs> there's so many things that I want to ask. <laughs> to be fair, I think my husband and I are quite lucky because we are quite open about this sort of thing. But the one that always gets me is like, why are your looking skills so bad? My husband certainly his dad as well and my dad they'll go and look for something fuck me they can't find it i literally i'll send them back like three times no it's definitely in there literally i will go in and pick it off the shelf 
I just don't understand. Like, there's obviously a disconnect between. <laughs> it's got to go back to caveman days, doesn't it? There'll be a reason for it. We're too busy looking for mammoths or something. Yeah, exactly, peripheral vision, not not what's in front of you. I'd love to help with that, but I do. I do. Yeah, I boast that uh, in our household, I'm the finder of things. Oh, really? Oh, well, see, there you go. So what is your approach to, towards looking for things and what makes you so much better at it? Uh, my approach is always look on the floor first. <laughs> and it, it, it works every single time. Where's Alfie's school bag? Have we looked on the floor? It's over there. Where's Sienna's <laughs> top? Have we looked at... Yes, it was meant to be put away with the washing. I didn't get to do it. I put it on the back of the chair. It's fallen on the floor. So yeah, that's the important thing to know. As men, we won't have put it away. So... <laughs> have a song for bed. The way we end the day at home is I have Sienna, I go into her room and I sing songs that actually, I'll have to play it actually because uh, the other day, Kerry was, I was at work, Kerry was doing a bath with Sienna and she started, Sienna just started singing Dock of the Bay in the bath. And I've been singing that to her since she was a baby. So just to get her off to sleep, I sing that. I sing Rainbow Connection by Kermit from the Muppets. So I always sing to the kids to get them to sleep. So I thought the way to end the podcast is to ask you, is there a song that you sing to your children? <laughs> and can I have a few bars, please? <laughs> yeah, you could, because actually I rate myself as quite a good singer, but I don't sing to them. Basically, my first daughter never had any problems sleeping. Three months, found her thumb, put her down, slept. Was still napping at like three and a half, four, for two hours in the middle of the day. Second daughter, terrible sleeper, but we had to be like quite, you know, hard line about it. And so unfortunately, we went through the like pick up, put down, all of that, and then basically went hardcore. Um, and then she, now she sleeps through. So I could do Baby Shark because... Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what everyone wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's obviously not a lullaby, but it is something that my one-year-old started singing yesterday and got really excited about it <laughs> when we finally realised what she was trying to sing. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there was a happy times, aren't they? I remember that with Alfie. Oh, yay. Oh, it's clear. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed that. And I've, I've learned a lot, whether or not I, I remember it and, and put it into practice. Oh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And uh, yeah, you can obviously find a lot more information in my book. And it's all about communicating between me and my husband as well. So I know how hard it is. I get it. And it can get better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun, isn't it? Really? It's all good fun. And when you do, yeah, when you're fortunate enough to do it together, it, it is brilliant. Um, thank you so much. And maybe we'll see you at one of your retreats. Yeah. I think the kids were called chaos and ruin it, but I would love it. <laughs> Bye-bye. There you go. Dad Asks Mums with Cleo Wood as the guest. I had no idea when I chatted to Cleo about coming on the show that we were going to talk perimenopause, but now I feel I know more than I could ever know and certainly ever ask for. So I'm really grateful for that. Not as grateful as Kerry's going to be when I finally address that when that day comes all over it I'm going to be oh what a joy what a joy to be around but she can't wait um, you can find out more about Cleo especially her book and her retreat her book is Get Your Mojo Back 
I think you learn in that podcast some very useful tips in that. Whether or not the children comply with it, we'll find out. And also her retreat and breathewellbeing.com, which just oh, sounds amazing. It sounds like it's the sort of place, you know, in, in your head where you envisage going on family holidays, it's all relaxed and then reality is not the same. That sounds like the two might just meet up. Who knows? Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, then please, that'd be great. The whole point is that I talk and get a mum's perspective on parenting and what it's like to be a mum. You can email me, al at albooth.co.uk, if you'd like to come on. Or I've got something nice. It's very exciting. I've got the socials at, sorry, Twitter and Instagram at dadasksmums and also speakpipe.com. So you can leave me a voicemail, speakpipe.com forward slash dadasksmums. There you go. You can do that. Leave a voicemail. It might be on the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening and uh, take care. Oh, here's my daughter with where you can get the other episodes. You can get this wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. Turn it off. Oh, dear. <laughs>